0: Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Vanna. Vanna White just comes up on to our podcast. She wouldn't have anything to do. There's no letters to flip here.
1: Yeah, like what did she? Flip the card, <laughs> see if there's a ghost behind it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that would actually feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the worst kind of jump scare. Yeah. Uh, the point of this podcast for me is to become as funny as Pat Sajak, by the way. That man is hilarious. I don't know you, who that is, the, the host of Wheel of Fortune. Oh, <laughs> you only know Vanna. That's who all oh, you care about.
1: I would like to know statistically who knows that name.
0: Everybody. No. <laughs> yes. I'll put a poll on our our Instagram <laughs> about who knows about Pat, Pat Sajak or not. Yeah, but
1: now you told them. Oh well, skip this part until right now. <laughs>
0: go back and forget but don't forget what you're listening to which is haunted or hoax and I'm Jennifer and I'm Kristen and that's all folks no uh, we're talking about an interesting place in North Carolina today I think it has an interesting history I sorry that was not a good poker face I know I'm looking at you I'm hoping that we did the same place Because according to the Netflix show I watch, it has an interesting history. (laughs) I mean, we'll get into it. Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to just dive right on in to say that I made a mistake about this place, Uh I think. Just because I was looking at places that we should do. And I was really interested because this place has been featured. Okay, The place is called Madison Dry Goods. (laughs) <laughs>
1: so, our new structure is we're going to tell you all about a place and we're not going to tell you where it is. And you have to guess where we're talking about.
0: <laughs> it's a new game. Um, no, it's the Madison Dragons in Madison, North Carolina. And the reason why I chose this place is because I saw in a quick Google search that it was featured in a new Netflix series called 28 Days Haunted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, that's really cool. I've never heard of the show let me watch it and in the opening of the show guess who pops up right on the screen ed and lorraine warren yes and i didn't realize that uh this was a show made mostly by tony tony spera who is the son-in-law of ed and lorraine warren
1: weren't you wondering what happened to him a couple episodes back (laughs) <laughs> yeah and he's
0: here making a netflix show when i saw him on the screen i was like tony like you uh, he can't hear me and we're not friends but somehow i just feel like he just started
1: looking around like did somebody just yell my name
0: right he was like somebody is excited to see me somewhere um <laughs> and i was zach um, bagans dream and... yeah <laughs> zach bagans wakes up in night sweats because he knows that I'm cursing his name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's a show ran by Tony and this paranormal journalist, Aaron Sagers. And that name sounds familiar. Does it to you for a specific reason or it just sounds familiar? Because I didn't have time to Google him, but it sounded familiar to me too. And I was like, is he part of another show? Did he, did we mention him before? Um. So they open up the show with Ed and Lorraine's theory about it takes 28 days to pierce the veil between living and the dead. And I didn't realize, okay, first of all, I didn't know anything about the show. At first, I just thought it was like a long form, like Ghost Adventures, like going to one place at a time. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that it was like over multiple episodes. So I thought it was just a show about 28 days in the dry goods store. But what it actually is, is three paranormal teams and three different locations doing 28 days in each of those and in, in their respective locations. And they mm-hmm. kind of like jump back and forth. And my regret comes with the other two places <laughs> in the show seem Wildly more interesting than this place. Oh, <laughs> as far as like what I got, uh, content wise.
1: Uh, so maybe we'll cover those as well one day.
0: Yeah, don't go watch the show so you won't be spoiled. Or forget do. we said any of that <laughs> again. <laughs> um. But so most of my stuff comes from this episode because there wasn't a lot outside of it. There's a lot of articles covering the show but there's not a lot of articles that come before that explaining the hauntings if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like this place is newly haunted which is very interesting Mm -hmm. um but what people have been saying since this story has come out is that numerous visitors of the store as well as employees have reported seeing mainly a little girl wearing a white dress in the building somebody in an interview said i've never seen her but four people have seen her like one of the managers of the store i think one was a man i was in here years ago and apparently she was looking out the window because the man wanted to know if my daughter was in here working with me there have there's been three kids one kid about 3 years ago grabbed his dad's arms And said, I'm not going up there. There's a little girl standing there. And I've had a couple of kids who won't go down the hallway.
1: Ooh. I've also. Why do I believe children above adults?
0: Because we've been brainwashed to believe that children can see to the other side much more easily than we can. Which might be true. But it also might be just like a baby geniuses movie. Mm. Which I saw at a very young age and took as fact, by the way. I was very, I was convinced for a very long time that babies did have all the knowledge of the world. And then when they started to talk, they forgot it all. That's obvious. Babies are pretty smart. I mean, I guess (laughs) they're okay. I guess. How do we know? (laughs) I mean, then they talk and then they become stupid, just like everybody else in the world. Yeah. 90% of the time. But that was like all I got (laughs) from like interviews outside. There's been, Talk of giggling of children, footsteps, you know, the mundane disembodied voices, that sort of thing.
1: Like random noises.
0: Yeah. Um, But nothing super concrete. I got a few Google reviews, one from Chastity, and I will note that all these are from the last, like, four months. And... Chastity had to say, for those of you who are wondering, yes, it is a very spiritually active place. I am a psychic medium that specializes in paranormal and connected with some of the spirits, so keep that in mind when going. And then Carrie C. said, really enjoyed visiting here. The museum on the second floor gave me chills and a heavy feeling came over me at the end of the hall, but it didn't feel evil or scare me at all. And then I added these two because they were just kind of funny. Uh, Melinda said, not the friendliest shopkeeper. Uh, the museum upstairs, which is interesting. However, I'm not sure if they do not dust up there and to keep with the haunting claims or if they're just lazy. Oh my gosh. If you have asthma or any breathing problems, wear a mask or skip the museum. And then. From literally a day ago, I got a review on Google that said, yes, it's haunted. Big things are coming soon to this place. Oh, I saw that. And
1: I was like, what do you mean?
0: Well, and it was from a Scott and it says Piedmont Paranormal. Mm. So I looked up this Piedmont Paranormal. They have a website. They have a Facebook page. And they have YouTube videos, but they don't have anything on this place in particular. So I didn't know if that meant like they have recently investigated this place and they're about to release some content or they've been there. Scott, if you're going to put a little teaser out there, you got to give us something to I'm get us going back. To be Like the beginning of the
1: apocalypse, like it's going to start at Madison Dry Goods Grocery. Oh, God, I hope not.
0: It's a cute little place on the inside, it looks like.
1: Yeah, I would say so.
0: I mean, I wouldn't mind hanging out Maybe there.
1: not upstairs, but like downstairs looks nice.
0: Yeah, downstairs looks cute. Upstairs, mm-hmm. I mean, it's dusty on top of haunted, so maybe skip it. So those were like all the things I could find and scrounge up as far as like outside sources. Mm-hmm. Everything else comes from 28 Days Haunted or Haunting. And the main people that investigate this are jeremy leonard who is a self-proclaimed demonologist that name sounds familiar too have we talked about these people previously i don't think so he's a he's a firefighter full-time and a a demonologist part-time oh so fighting fires here and in the afterlife in hell gotcha and then brandy miller who was it who is a fifth generation psychic medium Which also kind of made me a little bit uh, about this place in particular, because the other two places, they all, so all, all three of these groups had psychics or sensitives, Mm -hmm. but the other two groups had like paranormal investigation teams with all like the equipment. And this place had Jeremy, who was fine and great. And Brandy, who are very much, they just kind of seemed like a very traditional Ed and Lorraine team, if you know what I mean. hmm So the premise of the show is that they're blindfolded and they're not given any knowledge of where they're going beforehand. They're kind of just dropped off and like, okay, you're spending 28 days here. Uh, you'll either come out fine or a zombie, I guess. Wasn't that a zombie movie? Uh, twenty? no, yeah, 28 days later. Yeah, so. Edelarian stole a lot.
1: Well, I think what I read was the premise of this was like you had to be in a facility for 28
0: days for the quote veil to be lifted. Yes. Yeah. The more you stay in a haunted space, the more paranoid you become. The paranormal world or paranoid, depending (laughs) on, I guess, the place is really haunted. Immediately off the bat, like in episode one, uh, the medium, Brandy, senses to children at the top of the staircase she also immediately connects with the eldest daughter of this place i didn't i tried to skip the parts where they kind of revealed the actual history of the place and kind of just went off of brandy and leonard's i mean brandy and jeremy's vibe i cannot wait to see where this goes okay so she got a lot of she got a lot of feelings of the eldest daughter having a secret and feeling upset and there was a lot of blood and whatever happened, it happened to multiple people. They decide there's a casket, I guess, in the second floor museum. And they decide that they're gonna put Brandy in that. Why do you do that? And hold a fake funeral for her. Why do you do that? I have no idea. This it was you could tell that brandy was like super uncomfortable with it (laughs) and i don't blame her especially if you know i don't ever say that mediums and psychics are not real your intuition is your intuition but if she is really as insensitive as she says she is i feel like that would be a a fucking lot (laughs) to go through for a show i'm just saying They hold this mock funeral and she is like, you know, there's a ton of people coming around her, this family. There's a young woman that keeps looking down at her. She's getting the blood vibes again. They have a REM pod that keeps going on and off, which, you know, with REM pods, it's hit or miss. You don't know exactly the radius. Jeremy was standing far away from the REM pod, but it doesn't mean it couldn't be picking up on the casket or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So obviously this is a lot for her and once it's done she kind of has to like leave the room immediately because that was overwhelming. I think psychic or not it
1: would be overwhelming. Yeah. That's kind of like that episode where um what's his face got put in the morgue of the asylum <laughs> and they like yeah they locked him in the that was, awful. that
0: was not that was not cool. I hated that. I just don't I don't get the appeal of locking people into things that dead bodies laid on (laughs) no no not necessary no 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 they also made it a point to like tell people that they have these computers and uh things to to look over evidence but they they make it a point to say they don't have access to the internet and i was like what did you do delete internet explorer like (laughs) how does it not have access to the internet
1: and why do you need? I mean, I don't know technical things, but why do you need internet to review evidence that you're collecting right then?
0: Right, I don't know. I mean, that's that like we're does just it, it good. I think they're just making a point that like they're not looking anything up and cheating. Oh, oh I see, I see, because they don't have internet access. But that doesn't seem completely true, and I'll tell you why, why later. So I'm going to kind of just go through, like, some highlights of the night. I'll let you guys know what the episodes that are kind of associated with it. Night five, I believe, is in epi- still in episode one. And this is when I kind of started getting like, oh, I, p- I picked the wrong place. Oh. <laughs> I picked the wrong group, which, don't get me wrong, these people were nice, but it just, they've concentrated a lot on the medium abilities instead of using any sort of equipment. Mm-hmm. Like, I got a little bit excited. They went into the attic on night five and they brought a recorder. I was like, great, we're going to get some EVPs. It's going to be great. You know, they're going to review them. And it's going to be like, oh, what was that noise or whatever? But all I get is Brandy having a vision of her being shot herself, being shown shot again, shot and then falling against a wall. And um, the, like the eldest daughter showing her the father holding a shotgun and you hear some faint thudding of footsteps from behind Jeremy where he was standing near the stairs and they never go back to this recorder they never review any EVPs on it or anything like that which was disappointing for me they also find out on night five that like brandy gets that the oldest daughter had a secret pregnancy that was the secret that she was holding was the secret pregnancy in episode three they once again use the REM pod because at this point it's like night 10 and brandy's feeling this like super dark energy that's mm-hmm. attached to the place she says it's not normal it's like giving her like unable to sleep very bad vibes so they go into the viewing room of this place where I guess when it was a funeral home or something mm-hmm. and Jeremy decides to start reading scriptures because he's a demonologist and Brady asks if the eldest daughter is there. The REM pod activates at 2542 of this episode. She asks if the daughter was murdered by the father and there are some like random thuds. She gets reactions about around the, pod when she's asking about the mother and jeremy starts to re- preach louder when the thuds become more regular and then the the thuds become like so close to brandy she kind of freaks out and she leaves but it wasn't anything like oh this is a great piece of evidence mm-hmm. it was kind of like interesting but nothing i haven't seen on a ghost adventures episode before on night 15 they finally break out the spirit box Which I was like, great, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but it's something, it's some sort of equipment that you can say (laughs) something came out of, you know, and they start reading from the Bible again while this thing is on and it's completely silent with a spirit box, right? And he's reading from the Bible and she's asking him to stop because her head feels like it's being squeezed. And he's, like, comes over and, like, puts his hand, like, right against her forehead and starts praying over her. And she starts to cry. You do get a faint voice from the spirit box in this se- session. And um, then you get... If you guys go to this episode three, go to, like, two minutes and 12 seconds left. Because it's kind of funny. Like, he's taking this so seriously. But then he... He basically was like, be gone. I said, be gone. Like It's like, just like that sort of thing. Like it took me out of the moment. Like I, it was supposed to be the serious moment. Like, and it it just was
1: ridiculous.
0: Of, yeah. And it just made me laugh. So <laughs> it was a little bit of comic relief that I don't think that was supposed to be a comic relief.
1: It's the worst kind of comic relief when we're uh, laughing at you, not with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Understandably, after this night, Brandy wants to tap out. <laughs> She has this moment where she's like, I think I'm going to leave, but then she stays, mm. which adds drama that you don't need to have drama there. And then in night 16 was something that like I thought was interesting, but they actually never mention. So it's an episode for the tobacco room with the spirit box. They're trying to connect to the father who they say is named Charlie. It starts at 16 minutes and 32 seconds left. They get a high from the spirit box and uh, they get walking footsteps and then they get charlie but then from 15 minutes and 48 seconds to 15 minutes and 30 seconds they're having the spirit box session and there's an orb Hmm. that goes flying across where where i've been watching this this series the whole time there's not a lot of like bugs or whatever oh they must have dusted right in this place because it's just like a one singular orb that goes across the screen and I'm like, oh, my God, if surely they're going to slow that down and show you, like, hey, did you see that? They don't mention it at all. The one piece of potential evidence. That was, like, actually there. If that was actually, I like saw it with my own eyes. I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. I, like, actually rewound to see it again. And it was, like, right when they were, like, getting responses from the spirit box. But no, they don't go back and review anything in the show. They have this equipment, but they don't review anything. Because they don't have access to the Internet. I guess, I guess so. You know, they're not putting it into the, into the cloud. So I guess it doesn't exist. And then, so night 18, Jeremy thinks that Brandy is being too soft on the spirits. So he goes full on Zach Bagans. Oh my gosh. And wants to provoke Charlie. As he's provoking this spirit, Brandy's trying to tell him like, hey, whatever's dark, that's connected to the spirit like this dark energy that i'm feeling it's getting really angry that you're provoking so stop and then he starts to feel sick and starts to double over and he tells brandy to go and that that girl goes she books it right out of there she's like wait for you to tell me this for 17 days at this point <laughs> she was like he was like brandy go like like go down the stairs and she was like don't have to tell me twice she literally says on her way down that's a demon <laughs> and and like that is
1: not a cat <laughs> right.
0: she was like she's like i don't know what that is it's not charlie it's not one of the ghosts it's a fucking demon i'm getting the fuck out of here which i was like good for you so she goes down the end of the stairs she's like hey come down with me and all jeremy is doing is scream get off of me the drama see it's a drama right so that was episode the end of episode four there's only two episodes left and we then we hear feel this turn the twists and the plot are happening mm-hmm. as before our very eyes, because at the beginning of night twenty, Jeremy still seems affected by night eighteen, and suddenly he's sleeping all the time. He has no motivation. He's having like violent, uh, angry outbursts. He's complaining of headaches. He keeps writing the sentence "trouble can cause," and when he's asked about it. It says he says it's from a voice in his head. Sweet baby Jesus, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> so things are coming together at this point. Uh, Brandy has pieced together that the fa- the the father is a family annihilator. He some for some reason she thinks because of his daughter's secret pregnancy, and that she suspects he has something to do with that pregnancy. Hint hint. He murdered his whole family. and whatever, but she also believes that the resulting act the acts that resulted in that pregnancy and the murder were influenced by this demon, it influenced the father. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now this demon is is affecting Jeremy because he provoked it. So we see we see what's happening here. Um, on day 21, Brandy's like, are you okay to continue and like warning him? he's in danger. And Jeremy says, you're only saying this because you're afraid I'm, I'm a snap and kill you. Which that is my indication to call producers and tell them I'm leaving possession or not. If a, a man bigger than me is going to sit here and be like, you're only saying that because you're afraid I'm going to snap and kill you. Just casually mer- mentioning homicide, you know that is a red flag, huge bold red flag. Drama it, or not, and this and, and I would not even care. This man's not your friend. You met him on day one. You y'all don't go out to calls together all the time. You were paired together for this experiment, and experiment's over when somebody says they're casually going to murder you. And also the oh. date. If somebody jokingly says that on a date, please leave and make them pay the tab yes just stand up immediately with no explanation don't have to say anything just stand up and walk out Mm -hmm. ew brandy thinks that this she's like wow okay so he's really like on the verge of being possessed instead of like leaving she takes the spirit box to try to connect with charlie and she tries to confirm that like yes there was a demon that that like forced him to do these murders and The alleged abuse of his older daughter. And she does at 20 minutes and 42 seconds left of this episode get a yes and evil in the spirit box. Supposedly. They're very faint. She goes downstairs to tell Jeremy this, which is another really funny part. It just took me out of the seriousness of this whole thing. She tells him, like, she's like, I got got the spirit box session. And Jeremy says, sweet. Rock and roll, and he turns around and leaves the room. <laughs> and Uh-oh. she was like, "Okay."
1: And <laughs> she's like,
0: on? "Right." She's like, "Okay, I'm done with this." No, she didn't. They were worried about, uh, you know, Tony and Aaron were worried about you know Jeremy's safety along with Brandy, so they allow her to speak with Trudy Smith, who is an expert, supposedly on this house. And the goings on on Zoom, but oh, I thought they, they had no they internet. Had internet. they suddenly just have internet. I'm I don't speaking to through s- the spirit world via Zoom. Spirit Zoom coming, coming next year. Um, I would participate. Me too. Be great for our podcast. <laughs> um, but Trudy tells Randy that Charlie also appeared depressed and had terrible headaches before the murders. And having similar symptoms that Jeremy was, I guess, uh, experiencing during these 28 days. She also mentions the phrase that Jeremy wrote. And Trudy says that apparently Charlie had a note in his pocket when he was taken to the funeral home that said troubles can cause. I have no idea what that means. Um, I'm, it's just like, the, I'm sorry. Just continue. This is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. So. Once she explains this all to him, Jeremy starts to cry and break down and realize that like he's having some issues. And does he like give himself space and leave this place to kind of like recenter himself? No, no he put... goes out back and starts
1: chopping wood.
0: <laughs> no, they they put something on him called the god helmet. Oh, no. Have you heard of this? No. See, so it's a it's Is a it helmet made of
1: aluminum foil.
0: No, but it does look like a Thor, like you know, helmet type thing, like a like Roman. I'm gonna have to look it up. It's a is it something that you can go and buy? I don't think so. I don't know. Just put paranormal, paranormal god helmet. No, I'm just doing god helmet first. Okay, What's to come up with.
1: It looks like a biking helmet with um some sensors
0: attached to it. Kind of. This one would look like a gladiator helmet kind of
1: oh i see the 28 days haunted god
0: helmet yeah okay so basically it's a helmet that has like magnet center sensors on it and it supposedly opens up the psychic part of your brain to allow like spirit connection to be easier it uses neuromagnetic pulses supposedly
1: did zach Bagans evil genius come up with this
0: I'm sure he did. I'm sure him and <laughs> Tony are best of friends and they made this especially for the show. So he uses this. They go up to the attic. They start to do a session and he's like trying to connect with Charlie without the, the dark entity. Like he's That's why he's wearing the God helmet to like connect with Charlie directly without this dark ent- entity interfering to try to like, I don't know, cross him over or like get some clarity or something. But in the middle of this, he starts to have like very serious physical symptoms, like shaking, cold sweat, pain. He's visibly ill. They are so concerned about him. They actually take him to the ER and the ER doctors release him and say he's fine. But he was showing symptoms of a heart attack, but didn't actually have a heart attack. And Brandy and Jeremy, not a... kind of chalk this up to like him finally fighting off the demon. Cause he feels a lot better after this.
1: And we just needed to sweat it out and get some saline from the ER.
0: Yeah. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So that was on day 25, day 26. He's back. And he's ready to take on demons. He's like, I almost had a heart attack. A- over this place it's fine. let's let's finish this out. Rock and roll right. in the la- last episode episode six six around 20 minutes and 19 seconds left, they do get a help that's pretty clear on the spirit box. Of course that is a spirit box. I take everything with a grain of salt with those. and once she hears help, once again, Brandy's like out of there. She's like, can't help you. I've been here for 26 days not happening. And then that's when everything kind of starts to come to a head at 15 minutes and 50 seconds. Jeremy is kind of like praying and saying that he's not afraid of this entity anymore. And he's going to not, he's not going to let this entity control the family anymore. The family deserves to cross over, yada, yada. A glass breaks up, like not is knocked off the shelf at like 15 minutes and 36 seconds left, which is pretty kind of compelling. You can see it fly off the shelf behind him. Mm hmm. And there's obviously no one around and Brandy's already downstairs because she's scared, scared out of her mind, which I don't blame her. Um, So that was not nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything kind of just stops. And in the end, Brandy connects with the mother and daughter who feel light. And she says that they're smiling and that the dark entity is gone for now. She doesn't think that they totally exercised this demon but it does feel like the space is a lot less heavy in the end they go to the gravesite, mm-hmm. and um you know brandy's crying because she's a medium empath and it's very sad um and she's like i'm just so relieved that we got rid of that dark entity for for the time being and jeremy's like yeah and then he like looks over his shoulder at the camera Oh my God. This creepy look, like, na da da. It's still inside of him. And I was like, okay, that ruined the whole thing for me. (laughs) It was so cheesy. So, yeah, (laughs) that was 28 Days Haunted. Literally the only evidence I could find of this place being haunted. I had high hopes. Mm. I didn't watch the other two places. I, I, because i was trying to actually concentrate on this place but like i said i saw a few glimpses and they seemed to be still kind of theatrical but less so and mm-hmm. doing more actual evidence based mm-hmm. researching so i'd be interested in looking into those at a later date but uh yeah uh the moral of the story is uh don't Watch, don't believe everything you watch on Netflix. Uh, this place is supposedly haunted by a family annihilator who knocked up his daughter, which is gross. So you don't and know
1: anything about like what actually happened
0: there? No. and just what they they've got from the psychic, basically. And that there's a demon there, supposedly.
1: All right. Well, you're gonna love this.
0: Okay, you're gonna blow my mind when we get back. <sighs> That wording, though. We'll be right oh, back. Oh, no. Are you ready? We are ready.
1: Okay. As far as the actual store goes, like the actual dry goods store, there isn't much about it. Okay. It's been around for over 100 years, and it's been a host to many different stores like Penn Hardware and TB Night Funeral Parlor upstairs. Okay. And then obviously the dry goods store today. Richard and Kathy Miller bought the building in 1998, and they were given information about the funeral parlor and also set up a museum upstairs with artifacts from the previous owners along with photos of previous clients?
0: <laughs> customers? dearly beloveds. Uh,
1: We are gathered here. (laughs) The story everyone goes with that is tied to this facility is the Lawson family murder. But it actually happened in Germantown, North Carolina, 20 miles away.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In a completely different house? Uh Uh-huh. Do they ever go to the dry goods store? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's how i was like you're gonna love this okay in 1911 charles lawson married fanny manring who he had eight children with the lawsons worked as tenant tobacco farmers and eventually they saved enough money by 1927 to buy their own farm on oh, brook nice. cove road again in germanton north carolina 20 miles away
0: well, and you know what? All those eight chil- children came in handy because tobacco farming is no joke. My family used to do it. <laughs> it's hard oh, work. Yeah.
1: I mean, you have big families because it was free labor. Exactly. In 1929, just a couple of days before Christmas, Charlie, who was 43, took his wife Fanny, who was 37, and their seven children, Arthur, who was 19, Marie, who was 17, and Carrie, who was 12, Maybelle, who was 7, James, who was 4, Raymond, who was 2, and Mary Lou, who was 4 months old. And if you were counting, that's only 7. But their third-born died of an illness in 1920. Mm. They took them into town to buy some new clothes and also have a family portrait taken. And apparently this would have been like a weird thing to do for a working-class family in that time, And that led to speculations that maybe Charlie did this because he knew like the family, what he did was premeditated. Yeah. And so they went and took a family picture. However, he purchased his own farm two years prior, which obviously like that's a lot of money. Yeah.
0: And in 1929,
1: like that's a lot of money. Yeah. And also an associated press wire went out the day after the murders characterizing charlie as a quote well-to-do farmer so some like pre-christmas shopping and take getting a picture done might end up actually being reasonable regardless of you know the circumstances here's the picture if you haven't seen it already
0: i think it's the picture they might show a lot in the episode but i'll see yeah so they show this picture a lot in the episode this is like a picture that's in the dry goods store that they have to go off of
1: so, like, right off the bat, Marie looks uncomfortable and pissed. Yeah. That was, like, the first thing that caught my eye. But that's about it. Everyone else seems fine.
0: I mean, they all don't seem particularly, like, thrilled to be taking a picture. But also, this is, like, the 1930s, like almost. 20s, yeah. So, like, yeah. nobody
1: really smiled in those pictures. Exactly. On the afternoon of December 25th, is when the murders happened and Lawson first shot his daughters, Carrie and Mabel as they were leaving for their aunt and uncle's house. He waited for them by the tobacco barn. Oh, this is a warning. This gets like very gruesome, mm. not quite as bad as the ax murders, but it is gruesome. Um, he waited for them by the tobacco barn until they were within range. And then he shot them in the backs with a 12 gauge shotgun. Mm. And then afterwards, he ensured they were dead by bludgeoning them. Ugh. Awful. The odd thing was he placed the bodies in the tobacco barn, and he crossed their arms over their chest, closed their eyes, and put a sack underneath each of their heads as like a pillow. Like they were sleeping. Like placed the bodies in a specific way. After he got through doing that, Lawson returned to the house and shot Fanny, who was on the porch, obviously because, like, she heard the shotgun. As sh- as soon as the gun was fired, Marie, who was inside, screamed while the two boys, James and Raymond, attempted to find a hiding place. Charlie shot Marie, and then he found and killed the two boys. He bludgeoned the boys to death. Mm. Lastly, he killed baby Mary Lou, and it's thought that she was also bludgeoned to death. Mm -hmm. The bodies that were inside the house were positioned in similar ways, but instead of using sacks because they were in the house, he used pillows and placed pillows underneath all of their heads. The only survivor was his eldest son, 19-year-old Arthur, whom Charlie had just sent on an errand right before committing the crime. Very strange. Mm Mm-hmm. After the murders, he went into the nearby woods, and several hours later, he ended up shooting himself. Um, On an article, I read that it was a shotgun shot to the chest. Mm. The gunshot signaling his own suicide was heard by the many people who had already learned of the murders on the property and had started gathering, because I guess that's a thing to do.
0: Yeah, especially in those times, and I'm sure they went into the house and took a look around, too.
1: Yeah. What was it? The Ed Gein house where people were like actually just like touring the house casually. Yeah. Yeah. A police officer who was with Arthur at the time ran down to discover Charlie's body. There were two incomplete notes in his pockets. The Wikipedia page said that it was two notes to his parents. But then I did some digging because I was like, what did the note say? It was not two notes to his parents, I guess. One said, nobody to blame but, and the other said, troubles can cause. Okay. Neither one were completed. It's just what they found, I guess. They also found footprints encircling the tree that he was found nearby, so it kind of showed that he had been like pacing around.
0: He was having some turmoil about what he had done, probably.
1: Yeah. So the TB Night Funeral Parlor was selected because it was the only funeral home in the area large enough to accommodate the eight bodies. Mm-hmm. 5,000 people gathered to watch the hearses take the victims from the funeral home to Germantown for burial because it was just wow. like a string of hearses.
0: Ugh, that's so depressing.
1: So, there are pretty much two theories on the motive of this murder. The first one, I'm going to get through with the most ridiculous one first. So, Marie's rumored pregnancy by her father, Charlie and I say this like it's ridiculous lightly, but it just seems so rumor mill. Okay. And it just, uh, the like finding out of the rumor, seems very conveniently timed. The book white Christmas, bloody Christmas was published in 1990 and had a claim of Charlie sexually abusing Marie beginning with an anonymous source who heard a rumor during, ju- during a tour of the Lawson home shortly after the murders. Hmm. So it's like I'm touring a murder house and I heard a rumor. So I'm going to tell the author of the person or tell the author of the book this rumor yeah. that I heard. Yeah. Then the day before the book was to be published, the author also received a phone call from Stella Lawson, who was a relative who had already been interviewed by the, for the book. Stella said that she had overheard Fanny's sisters-in-law and aunts, including Stella's mother, Jetty, discussing how Fanny had confided in them that she had been concerned about an incestuous relationship between Charlie and Marie. Jetty died in early 1928, so she wasn't there to corroborate the story. Mm-hmm. Um, But that also says that that means that the suspicion of the incest had been there like long before Previously, the murders. Yeah. My question is, wouldn't that have shown during the embalming process or, like, the autopsy that she was pregnant? Right. And if this was getting national attention, I would just feel like it would have been mentioned that it wasn't just Charlie's daughter who was killed. It was Charlie's pregnant daughter who was killed. Yeah. Again, that's just an assumption. But it just seems, like, outlandish. This other theory makes a little bit more sense to me. Charlie had sustained a head injury about a year prior. Okay. So Charlie had been using a pickaxe to dig a ditch and the pickaxe got caught in the wiring of a fence and it hit him in the head. It wasn't treated as a serious injury at the time. The family physician like said, it didn't seem like a serious injury, but he did note that he started acting odd that Charlie started acting odd. And he also started complaining of severe headaches I also read many times that Johns Hopkins examined Charlie's brain, but I couldn't actually find like the documentation of the results yeah, or like the order that it happened or where the brain ended up. (laughs) Like it was just like mentioned briefly and then everybody like repeated it, but nobody followed up with it. Yeah. I did, however, find an article stating that Dr. Halsebeck, the family physician, declared that the examination had revealed a low-grade degenerative process in the middle of the brain. The convolutions on the top part of the brain near the middle vary from those on either side, an indication that there is an unusual spot in the center which was not filled out in proportion to the rest. Hmm. The confusing part of this is, he goes on to say, the theory that a sharp blow on the head, supposed to have been sustained by Lawson about a year ago— Caused him to commit the deed, has been discounted by Doctor Taylor and me. We find no try, no trace of a blow on the brain. But didn't you just say that there was an unusual spot in the center of the brain?
0: Yeah, but maybe they're saying that like it was an an like a actual like brain abnormality and not like caused by like outside trauma. I see. Like maybe it was some sort of malformation or something happening there. I see. I mean, like, if uh, they could elaborate, but obviously they did not.
1: (laughs) No. A couple of people have mentioned CTE, but I don't think that it's that just because, like, this isn't continuous trauma to the brain, unless maybe he had a brain injury when he was younger as well. But obviously, getting a pickaxe to the head, like, that's not going to do nothing. Right. But I don't think that this is anything that we should look past because any true crime dabbler knows that head trauma is very, like, commonly linked to violence. Yeah. And so I was curious, like how much is it linked to violence? And in one study out of 89 patients with a traumatic brain injury and 26 patients without brain specific trauma, but still trauma, 34% of the brain trauma patients exhibited aggressive behavior while only 12% of the patients without brain trauma showed aggression. I'll link the study if anybody really likes uh, academic journals. <laughs> but
0: what is my question to you, Kristen? Uh, what does this have to do with the dragster?
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> I think that like the theory is, is that
1: this one family that happened to be embalmed there just stuck around but the other families that were embalmed there aren't there anymore
0: i I think it's because the way that they like they were they all died like the huge traumatic emotional burden and they like rested in this funeral home i think that's the theory that this place is going with that that collective energy has imprinted on the funeral home portion somehow i don't know it's very far-fetched to me I also, miles far fetched in
1: my opinion. Like why didn't if they were in the whatever for twenty miles? Why didn't they imprint on the hearse as well? This is true. I'm being and sarcastic and sassy
0: at this point. I'm sorry. But no, I mean it is. It make it doesn't make sense. And also, it's like, well, where did this start? This supposed dark entity demon come from? I guess like you could also say like, oh, I didn't have anything att- to attach to anymore because they're all dead. So it, like, attached to the store and then, like, kept their souls with it. I think that's another theory, probably. Like, oh, this demon kind of carried them along to the dry goods store. But, like, why there? Don't you, like, collect your winnings and kind of go, I don't know. <laughs> go back down to hell. Um, I don't know how demons work, obviously. I'm not a demonologist. Uh, but... I mean, I don't know. This kind of just seems like a clear cut hoax. Just making, trying to make a a place more interesting by attaching a ghost story to it.
1: Mm -hmm. It's old, so it has to be haunted.
0: Yeah. I also think that this guy, I, I mean, is a family annihilator. I think that he just something was going on I'd be very curious people say that he was a well-to-do farmer but I would be very curious to see like their actual numbers and books to see if maybe there was some sort of financial trouble and he just felt Mm -hmm. like his family would be better off uh, him killing them than them being in financial trouble you know taking the fancy picture getting Christmas gifts knowing that I don't know I really I feel like
1: 'Cause like even the neighbors were like there wasn't anything going on. Like it doesn't make sense. I mean, I know all people say that commonly when something like that happens, like you would have never thought that it would be him, but like nobody could really make sense of it. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, he was an alcoholic or oh, they spent too much money. Like, I mean, it is like on the, the precipice of the depression. So like you're it's very true, like financial issues could be a thing but i don't think that them finding that on the brain is like something that should be you know glanced over whether it was from a trauma or like a malignancy it could have put pressure on something that just made him quite literally lose his mind
0: true or it could have been the demon weighing down on his mind or taking out his entire family at its behest
1: or it was his son the whole time.
0: That's intriguing little.
1: His son ended story? up dying uh, at the age of like 36 from a motorcycle accident. And he left his wife and four children behind.
0: Oh, that's sad. That is sad. What do you think? I don't think that this place is haunted by the family.
1: Like it, it was a funeral home. So it could be haunted by something.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's haunted by Charlie and his, his children and his wife. Like, and I mean, it. It is old. It saw a lot of death as a funeral home. It could be haunted. I lean towards maybe it's not haunted, but, you know, I haven't been there in person. So, and they made a whole show. So. <laughs> they don't make shows and make things up in shows. This isn't the hills. <laughs>
1: um, I don't know why I'm getting so aggravated by this, but, like, I was looking things up and I was like, so why is this here? <laughs> like, Yeah. What is time? Ty- I kept like, did the family used to live here? Oh, so he went and took a picture and then he just shot up his family. No, 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 no. I don't know. I think that it is reaching like hardcore. I think so too. But let us know what you think, guys. You know what? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Because I'm really interested to get your feedback on this one.
0: i'm interested to think if to see if you think it's haunted and also if you've watched this 28 day haunting show let me know your opinions on the show because i personally think that they're like oh it's a new um like the next season will be all new places all new teams or whatever i think that'd it be more intriguing if All the places switched, like all the teams switched places.
1: Mm, And they didn't tell each other what they found.
0: Yes. And then they compare what they found at the end of, I know it would take like three seasons. But it'd be kind of cool to see what all they found. I think that would be a more compelling way to do the show, but that's just my opinion. Tony, if you listen to our podcast, hit me up. I have some ideas, so.
1: And also, sorry for critiquing your show so harshly this entire episode, but maybe do better.
0: I haven't watched, like I said, I haven't watched the other two investigations at length. And I bet from what I saw, they were a little bit less. Mm. (laughs) So. Okay, next time we're going way up north to Massachusetts. I don't think that we've done Massachusetts for a long time. I don't think we've ever done Massachusetts. Have we?
1: Well, you know Oh, you know what?
0: You, you know? made the map. <laughs> you can look
1: up the map. Uh yes. The Lizzie Borden house. Oh, that's right. And oh, Fall River State Forest. Oh, that's right. Man, that's so handy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should have made this ages ago. Well, you know what? Now we have it. So now we have it. We'll share it with you guys someday.
1: <laughs> once it's a little prettier <laughs> okay
0: my sage moment this week is I watched a really fucked up movie can I say that that's my sage moment I watched a really really weird movie um, this week that came out it's called Infinity Pool it has Mia Goth who has quickly become one of my favorite actresses in it
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just very odd uncomfortable I think the guy the director who makes it is Gronenberg more
1: uncomfortable than barbarian and you know exactly the scene i'm
0: talking about yes yep yep um infinity pool it has a very cool premise and it goes places with with the plot that like this plot could be very like beaten down and very obvious of where it goes and it goes in a different direction that's what i'm saying but i will say it's it's fucked up (laughs)
1: Guys, I just want to give you a heads up that Kristen goes and watches the weirdest ass movies. and I do when you if you start taking her up on movie recommendations, I highly recommend from personal experience that you watch it on your own first and then decide what audience to watch it with because I watched Midsummer with a group of people, and let me tell you it was one of the most awkward experiences, both watching the movie and watching
0: the movie with the people I was watching it with that I've ever sat through. Listen, I said that midsummer was okay. It was okay. But I understand. Like, yeah, I I watch some um, out there movies. Zach and I uh, go to the movies a lot, just the two of us. So it's like not, I'm not going to see Infinity Pool with pretty much anyone I know other than my husband. So, and I think that like due to like either the psychedelic parts Mm. of this movie or the sexual parts of this movie a guy kept coming in and like walking the length of the theater and like going down to the bottom of the theater like by the screen and then coming back and like looking around and then leaving i think he was an employee i think that he was there to make sure that nobody on drugs was like laying in front like down below in front of the screen while the psychedelic parts were going on that's what Zach's theory was. My theory was during some of the sexual scenes, he was coming in to make sure nobody was
1: uh, inspi-
0: inspired by it. So, man, either way, I enjoyed it <laughs> as a movie. Um, but yeah, she's right. Take take my my advice <laughs> with a greatest of But I stand by that. It follows and Neon Demon are two really great movies. So, oh my gosh. So my
1: Sage Moment, we had a shout-out, and I just wanted to shout back out to our friend Chris. He is from North Carolina, so he said he was excited about this episode, but he also contributed. He sent in his own personal ghost story. He has two pictures that he took, and we'll be sure and get his permission before we post it on our Instagram, But so y'all can take a look, too. He said that his ex-wife and him moved into a home, and it had an in-ground pool. About 15 years ago, there was a party there, and all the adults were high and drunk, and the child got outside and drowned. Mm. And he said that particular day, he kept seeing something out of the corners of his eyes, and when he looked, there wouldn't be anything there. So he held his phone up, and when he saw it again, he just hit shutter and took about 15 instant photos, and that was that was it cool um yeah we'll be sure and post that so y'all can check it out we love getting like first hand accounts
0: yeah and it's really cool that you know you reached out to us chris and gave us that like photographic evidence you know how much i love photos it's a very interesting photo you do have two that like side by side ones like a kind Mm -hmm. of closer up and it's it's really interesting to look at so um I want to share it with everybody to see their opinion and see what they get from it. Um, and also, it's sad story. Like that's super sad. Yeah, very very sad. This is why you have a fence around your pools. Always, always. But thank you, Chris. This was amazing. If you if you guys have stories or want to shout out, let us know. We're always happy to do it. Yeah. Thank you for listening. You were Seriously. very complimentary, and it just made my heart grow. Five <laughs> times
1: she is no longer the Grinch. I'm no longer the Grinch, yeah. That's it.
0: Well, awesome. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, I'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.